If you're looking for proven ways to take your fundraising results to the next level, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast, hosted by Tammy Zonker. Tammy has trained and led thousands of nonprofit organizations to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars and is also recognized as one of America's top 20 fundraising experts. This is the podcast where Tammy equips and empowers amazing fundraising pros like you to transform your fundraising so you can transform the world. And now, let's hear from Tammy. Today, I'm excited to talk with none other than Gail Perry. She's a fundraising expert, philanthropy consultant, nonprofit evangelist, keynote speaker, LinkedIn top voice in philanthropy, best-selling author, the list keeps going on and on, founder and president of Gail Perry Group based in beautiful Chapel Hill, North Carolina. She has helped nonprofit organizations raise hundreds of millions of dollars in gifts with her renowned Fired Up fundraising approach. Gail has deep expertise in major gifts and capital campaign fundraising, which she shares through her work as an international fundraising consultant, trainer, and philanthropy leader. I first met Gail first via online. I think it was Twitter. And finally in person many, many years ago when I spoke at the North Carolina Statewide Fundraising Conference. And we became fast friends, as so many people do, because she's one of the most gracious and generous people you'll ever meet. Gail, welcome to the show. Well, hello, Tammy. Thank you so much for inviting me. This will be so much fun. So fun. I, you know, anytime I'm around you, there's fun to be had. We always know we try to try to bring that energy to our work whenever we can, right? Ab- absolutely. So, Gail, speaking of fun, you have a very fun event coming up. Yes. The world's, the world's biggest porch party, a yeah. fundraising event. It's planned for August 26th. Tell us about it. Well, let me do let me give you a little bit of backstory on the idea of porch parties and we'll talk about friend making and why it's so important in just a second. But my my overall feeling was this spring that the world is grim. There's war, there's politics, there's climate, um, people uh, post pandemic. And I was trying to, I was thinking to myself, what can I do to lighten up the energy? In the space. And what can I do to bring joy and fun to fundraising and also help nonprofits move forward with their donors? So I've always talked about porch parties as a very important tool in a fundraiser's arsenal. I call them small social events to allow you to mingle with the donors and, and work the crowd and, um, and have a short program. So, so I decided to really sort of make a big deal about porch parties this summer. And, and my social media team and I decided we would create the world's largest porch party, and we're inviting organizations around the world to have a porch party friend-raising event on August 26th of this summer, which is not too far away, and join us online on Zoom uh, and report in or send pictures or whatever. We, we will have a Zoom link going on on my website. And it's really fun. One of our capital campaign clients here in, in Chapel Hill is having the grand opening of their building. And there's music and there's people. And so that's going to be our porch party here locally. Oh, I love it. Love it. So, love it. Yeah. So talk about why friend raising and these small social events are so important to building relationships. Yes. Well, I'm sure you would agree with me that the porch party motto needs to be make friends first. 
ask later, make friends first, ask later. And so many um, leaders of, of nonprofits think that fundraising is all about that good old ask. And we, I'm trying to, try, trying to help board members and, and CEOs understand that you have to warm up your donors. You have to get to know your donors. You have to you build trust and confidence and all these intangible relationship issues. So a porch party is a great way to simply introduce new, I say, VIP friends to your cause. And, and you have a small group, maybe 10, 20, maybe 30. Don't want to get too big. And you, you can really talk to the, the potential donors or the potential friends one-on-one and find, find out their level of interest. I love that. And mm-hmm. I love that you brought up trust. Yeah. Uh, Ian McQuillan with the think tank, the founder of the Rogari think tank in mm-hmm. the UK, recently released a study about how donor trust Trust mm-hmm. of nonprofits has gone down since the beginning of this pandemic. I think it's net down to like only 59% of people trust nonprofits now. So we do need to get back to relationships and to engage people as people and not just sources of contributions. I'm with you, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're going to get t-shirts that say, make friends first, ask they, later. Motto. What a great motto. I love that motto. So when we're putting together a porch party or a friend raiser in general, what are the key ingredients to success? Oh, fun. So key ingredients. Who does the inviting is helpful. If your goal, you have to establish your objectives. I mean, this is a no ask, get to know new people event. That's, that's our favorite format for fun, um, for a porch party. So you have to agree that we're not going to ask and we're going to use this, this opportunity to open new doors to potential donors and friends. And influencers in our community. So set your objectives. And then let's think about how people are invited. Let's get the right person to do the invitation. Let's have it at a place where the invitees may want to see. One time I was working with an organization in the North Carolina mountains, and they had a porch party in an observatory on the top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. They had a porch party, uh, a friend raising porch party at the, the very top of a new building in downtown Asheville where they were. And then they had another one at a, a board member's vast and beautiful home on a real porch. So you want to um, think through carefully how you can entice your invitees to participate and to actually attend. So you want to have a, an invitation that sounds cheerful and informal. Also, you need to frame it to the invitees as this is a social event. It needs to be just as much social or even more social than program because social time is when you can work the crowd. Yeah. You can have one-on-one conversations. And I, I do know that there was a group in Atlanta who persuaded the CEO of Delta Airlines to have a porch party at his home for, on behalf of this organization. And, and can you imagine the, the, the people who attended? So you, you want to have the chance to meet them one-on-one, not so much do a one-way pro- You want to do enough of a program so that their interest is peaked. It's an introduction. Another key ingredient is to manage the program carefully, <laughs> very yes. carefully, and make sure it's quite short and that you have Q&A. Yes. So, so form- lean, lean into that for a moment, Gail. So how long is the ideal porch party or social event. And then mm-hmm. in relation to that duration, what percentage of it is that brief program? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a social event. 
Yes. And your objective is to work the crowd and pique the interest of the people. Therefore, you're going to have a short program, no more than 15 minutes and hopefully shorter. You have to remember that that people may be standing. The older donors may have bad hips or knees or ankles and they want to have a seat. So it's very important to think carefully about your guests and their willingness to respond. So the program has four parts. Okay. The first part, you'll be familiar with this format, Tammy. I'm sure you've used it many times. Is a is a board member's welcome or the host's welcome. Just one or two minutes, nothing long, but the host needs to say why they believe in this organization and why they care. Very powerful. And then I frankly, I like to have a short testimonial from someone bringing in different voices on behalf of the organization. One time I was working with a KIPP charter school. You're familiar with them? Yes. And kids always wear uniforms. And so I had a small, it was a, a, a small porch party to introduce this organization to some of my friends and associates. And the little, two little kids came in their uniforms. Adorable. It was absolutely. I mean, that was really the program really chatting with them. It was very powerful. So there are ways to bring programs alive. So you have your board members welcome. You have a testimonial of some type. And then I like for the CEO to to give um, what I'm sure you and I would agree as a visionary leader speech or an I have a dream speech, very high level. Here's our organization. Here's where we're headed. Here's what we're trying to accomplish and our impact. Leaders get very confused about what they should say because there's so many things to talk about. Yeah. So I find that leaders can use some coaching in that regard. I'm sure you've done a lot of coaching of, of talks like that. Indeed. Um, Just to get to the emotional essence of what we do and why it matters and why you should care. Right. And, and it, I think sometimes leaders tend to stay in their head more than in their heart. Yet the way you're going to get donors interested in the work is to tell those stories and to open their hearts. I'm into heart-centered fundraising. How about that? Maybe you think we can create a new theme. We'll hashtag it. <laughs> heart-centered fundraising. Heart-centered fundraising. Part. Yes. yes. I love well, that, Gail. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last part of, a, of a, a porch party program is the Q&A. And you really want to encourage Q&A. Maybe you can plant a question, perhaps, you know. And I like for the program to be snappy. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's an MC who's going to direct it so that they can gently interrupt people who may go on too long. <laughs> I mean, you have in programs, programs can be iffy. One time I was working with a Ronald McDonald house, a great big gala, and they had a testimonial from a father and he got out there in, in the spotlight with the mic and he went on for 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. We have to manage our people. I think sometimes when they get that microphone, they lose all track of time. And they just want to do such a good job and they're nervous. So absolutely, the more that we can coach them, you know, two or three bullets and maybe have some, you know, a little signal from the back of the room gently saying, wrap it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was a frontline fundraiser, I was um, head of the fundraising for the Kenan Flagler Business School at Carolina. And I set up a lot of speeches and a lot of events. And um, I would go up to people, I'd smile right in their eyes, right in their face and smile and say, remember, short and snappy or cheer- cheerful and snappy. Yeah. You know, or one time a guy went up to the microphone and said, well, Gail Perry said I needed to be cheerful and snappy. So here it goes. <laughs> and I'm sure he got a big laugh and it just warmed and endeared the room even more. 
you know, you got, you got to be a leader in yes. this situation. Yes. So Gail, those four parts, welcome from the host or board member, a testimonial, like bringing in a voice of someone who's been directly impacted by the organization, that short and snappy message from our, our CEO, our executive director, well, and then some brief Q&A. What? Is there a call to action? Yes. And let me talk about the difference between a hard ask and a soft ask. Perfect. Please. Okay. And I, I made a video about this. And by the way, I have porch party videos on our YouTube channel. I'm unpacking a lot of these topics in those videos. And I tell you what, Gail, we'll include a link to that YouTube channel in the show notes so folks can easily get it if they're interested in having their own porch party. The call, the call to action. The porch party should always have a call to action, but it needs to be a soft ask. And a soft ask is reaching out to everyone and saying, we're hoping everyone in this room will get involved. We want to invite you for a tour. We want to do this. We want to do that. We invite everyone to, to, to make a gift if you're interested. You know, you can do that. But that. And that's a soft ask. A hard ask is when you pass around pledge cards and you <laughs> wipe the door, you know. <laughs> that's right. Here's a pen. And, and the guest, and you can run, but you can't hide. And we have your car keys. Yeah. Yeah. An ask event is an ask event. But a porch party and a friend raiser is very different from this. This is yeah. it's a warm up to perhaps an ask event. Yeah. So it's very important. Thank you for talking about the call to action. It needs to be an invitation to get involved, to learn more and or to make, to make a contribution in some way. So how do we as the fundraising staff mm -hmm. close the loop on that call to action, that warm, soft invitation mm -hmm. to learn more? Mm -hmm. Do we say, you know, Tammy pointing to me in the room, like, Tammy, we'll be following up with you in the next few days to mm -hmm. answer any unanswered questions you might have from today and mm -hmm. to see how you might envision yourself getting involved. I mean, would that be? Uh, that would be perfectly acceptable. Oh, good. I'd actually like the board member who was hosting or the host themselves to make some phone calls too and ask. And our favorite follow-up is, what were your impressions? And get the donor to do the talking or the new friend to do, do a lot of talking and share their experience and then start having discovery questions about getting more involved. Amazing. So yeah. we also believe, and this is tough, plan your follow-up before the event because people will have everybody in town at an event and then there'll be no follow-up and then they're crying about it the next year. Yeah, I'm a um, big believer in that too, Gail. I mm -hmm. feel like if you don't follow up, I almost feel like, why even throw the party? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you pick some interest, but what good, what good is it? Yes, because people are so busy and they kind of get swept away back to their regular life unless you're there yeah. to continue building and nurturing that friendship you just created. Yeah. And, and one of the ways to manage that is pre-planning is to look at the guest list. I'm very much in favor of triaging the guest list. Okay, and that means you break it into three sections, must chat with or must work hard on um, and then next level and then the wonderful people who are more your social fillers, because you can't really go after everyone. I was chatting with a potential client yesterday and they have a gala with 500 people and they wanted to know about follow up. And, and you have to be realistic. You have to hand, hand pick the ones who get the personal calls because you only have so much resources to do that. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, there is the possibility of a follow-up card that you can hand out at the event. It's printed and you get people pens and you say, would you like to get on our mailing list? Would you like to volunteer or come for a tour? Would you like to make a gift? Would you like more conversation? And um, also you could have a QR code and ask people to fill out the form online. That is also a nice way to get permission to let the new friend or potential donor self-identify. About. I, I like that very much mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, you pointed out, which is it is permission-based, mm-hmm. which is really where we need to center our efforts. I mean, talk wow. about tr- building trust. The other reason that I like that very much is if our host or that board member stood in front of the room and said, we're going to be following up with you, I'm going to be following up with you, mm-hmm. and that follow-up doesn't happen, then oftentimes, yeah, the guest will think, gosh, they probably followed up with everyone else. I wasn't special enough, important enough, whatever enough. Mm-hmm. And it can actually really backfire, right? Well, right point. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. So that's why actually saying out loud, I'm going to be following up with you is maybe that I, I would be careful about that unless I had a detailed plan mm-hmm. in place. Yeah, so that everyone got a follow-up. Yeah. So I, I like how this follow-up card can help people self-identify, I'm requesting a follow-up. I would like to talk with someone. I think that's really good. So you, you've mentioned, Gail, a couple of ways that board members can support this porch party, this friend-raising event, you know, being the person who extends the invitation, being the person who's hosting and maybe does the welcome, being willing to participate in the follow-up calls with those individuals who've identified as I would like to talk about this organization more, learn more about it. But what are some of the other roles that board members can play at the porch party or after? Well, you know, it's so funny. One of the top questions I get asked about porch parties is who covers the expenses? Mm, yes. And I cannot tell you how many people are fretting about this. So, um, gosh, board members can help cover the expenses of a porch party, you know. And also, let me back up and sort of reemphasize one of the points you made in that long list of how board members can be helpful. I think one of the greatest roles for board members is to be ambassadors and door openers. Years ago, when I was writing my book, I was interviewing executive directors about their board members' engagement in fundraising. And the executive director said, if my board members would just open doors, I would be happy. If they would just open doors, that was in her dreams, they would open doors. So another reason I'm a huge proponent of the notion of porch parties is that it's a wonderful tool and format for board members to take action on behalf of their organization. Board members want to help. They don't know what to do. And we can't just moan and groan about board members not doing this and not doing that. We have to give them a tool. We have to give them a format. We have to make it easy for them and also cheerful. We have to be cheerful about how easy this is and this is something you can do. So that is probably my number one reason, besides lightening the energy of the world, (laughs) is to help smart fundraisers and CEOs put their boards to work in a place where they can be extremely productive. Now, board members can team up. Not all board members are social. 
you know? So you can have teams of three or four board members. One time I had a board that had that divided itself into teams and had competitions. They named each, each team, created a mascot and a name for itself. And they were competing to see who could have the most people at their party. Oh, how right. fun is that? Again, so that's generated a lot of energy in the community. Yeah. Cheerful energy. I'll tell you, one of my mottos, you, I'm sure you've heard this, is when in doubt, throw a party. Yes. You know, and I truly believe this. And, and what I mean by that is that you can make what's happening on behalf of your organization fun. You attract people to it who care and want to make a difference in the world. But it's a cheerful, enthusiastic invitation that picks people up and carries them to you. Positive energy is far more appealing and attractive than, than hand-wringing scarcity of um, energy. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Like so just, back, Tammy. Yeah. So just words I've written down that you keep coming back to, which I think are so important for our listeners to really embody and embrace. And that's cheerful, snappy, heart-centered. Yeah, yeah good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are good. So, yes. you know, some of the clients that I've worked with, we've done when we've had friend raisers or even fundraisers, it's ticketed mm -hmm. event. Yes. We, what we've done is we've done some vetting of the invite list, the ticket holders, or in this case, the invitation list. And we've vetted it for who's already a supporter. Uh -huh. And of the group, who are the longest supporters? You know, those long-time loyal givers at any gift level. Mm -hmm. From a wealth screening perspective, who has the greatest capacity? Who mm -hmm. is also has the inclination? They are philanthropic and hopefully also care about causes like ours. So we've done some screening. And what I love to do is, I mean, you're talking about a porch party. You said 10, 20, maybe 30 people. What a huge event. So if you could team up, you know, one board member is assigned two guests or assigned to two couples and we've prepped them. You know, this is John and Joanne and they've been giving to us for 25 years. They've included us in their estate plan. Like just kind of, they care mostly about this part of our programming. I want you to greet them. Like here's a photo of them. I want you to, or better yet, you already know who they are, but greet them, introduce them around, um, you know, especially to the VIPs. Like, I want you to meet our board chair. Oh, if, uh, surely you've met our CEO in these past few years, our new CEO, or even if they're, let's just say that they're out in the yard and we're getting ready for those remarks, that vision. Say, oh, we're getting ready to hear from our CEO Let's go join them on the porch, mm -hmm. right? Just to love them up and guide them. And even when you see they're getting ready to leave, walk them to their car. Absolutely. That's lovely. Way yeah. to go to finish. And you know, <laughs> you, what you are describing is the role of a host. Yes. You know, and people, the, the, uh, we have a, a little porch party newsletter we're sending out this summer. And that's where I'm, I'm, I'm sending theme of the porch party newsletter this week is how to be a good host, and how to make your guests feel comfortable. So to assign board members, board members need a role. It's like they're going to hang in the corner and, and not talk to anybody. <laughs> um, but if you say, this is your job, your host, you are a host. Your job is to officially greet people and look for these two or three folks. And, and then you, you can 
coach them on the background, as you said. And I like to to prompt the board member if they're game with a couple of discovery questions. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't know you were interested in the ballet. How did you come to be here today? Tell me about your interest in the food bank. You know, tell me about your interest in habitat. Those are easy questions to ask. And it allows the board member to dive down a bit into the donor's heart or the new friend's heart and engage them. Because we find that the more you can let the donor speak, they will talk themselves into being enthusiastic if you can just let them talk long enough. That is so So true. You you know, the strategy yourself. Yes. (laughs) Legendary Jerry Panis, you'll recall. Love Jerry. Yeah, such a great man. And he would say listen the gift. And he would say that your job is 75% listening and only 25% talking. Absolutely. Yeah. If we could just get everybody else to agree, that'd be board members and CEOs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Gail, I know you've thrown some pretty legendary perch parties. I do like to have parties. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, before you built your new home, I had the privilege of being at your home and and sitting on that front porch. It was just magnificent. So, (laughs) yes. So, tell me about one of your standout porch parties and and what made it so special. Well, you know, the very first porch party I ever held was in my role as a board member of the Carolina Ballet. And it was my first experiment with this strategy. And we had a new artistic director in town from the Philadelphia Ballet, and we wanted to put the Carolina Ballet on the map. And board members, we we needed to connect our new director with the movers and shakers in town. It was an important moment for our board members, for the ballet, and we had a new guy that we could trot out and introduce, a new celebrity. And so I just decided to have a, I was having a lot of parties those days, just have a porch party on that front porch of mine. And I invited by email, very brief, 60 individuals in town that I thought could be helpful to the ballet. And they were all people that I knew in some way. And I was just come over, have a drink on the porch and meet our new artistic director. I'm a board member, I'd love to see you. And so it was really interesting. I invited 60 individuals. And the, it, you talk about self-selection, it's key. So the people in my network who were interested self-selected and came, and the people in my network who were not interested did not come. So, you know, many times board members are nervous about opening the door to their friends. They don't want to hit up their friends or anything. If they all realize that your, their friends would self-select, and some of them are really interested and, and will self-identify and will come and say, gosh, so excited. How can I help? I want to get involved. Can I buy a season ticket? You know, this is wonderful. So happy. So this whole role is, is just vitally powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you really raise such an important point, And that is, we shouldn't choose for people. Yeah. We should extend that warm invitation and let them choose for themselves. And then we respect their choice. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I had the development director for the ballet on my porch and I had identified, I had triaged the list and I knew there was a venture capitalist in town whose daughter was a ballet dancer and I knew he was the perfect guy for them. And so I handpicked him. Brilliant. <laughs> there he was on my porch. 
And, you know, the fundraiser sort of gently circled and chatted him up and, and he became chair of the board ultimately. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why I feel like it was so successful. It was an easy invitation. It was a testing of a format that we've replicated over and over in so many different ways. And also because I was the host, I put on my fundraising hat and I knew exactly what I wanted to accomplish and who needed to be there and how to coach the staff to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. So well, it yeah. does help to have somebody with our background who knows, <laughs> knows the ropes, so to speak. That is what, helpful. One thing about being a consultant, I was just thinking, I'm writing an oracle now about what capital campaign consultants do, you know, mm-hmm. and we just provide that strategy, you know, to help people save so much time and energy by knowing, going in the right way where they can be the most efficient and the most effective, because that's what you preach as well. Absolutely. I feel like the role of a consultant is to first understand, mm-hmm. like, what are we working with? What are your strengths? Where do you feel less equipped or more vulnerable? And then we equip you to shore up the weaknesses or the challenges to maximize the strengths mm-hmm. and then provide a strategy and then just accountability, the accountability of executing the strategy and being there as a backup when, you know, plan B needs to be called on. And, you know, a lot of what we do, too, are in the soft skill areas of building confidence, creating a sense of security that we have a, a path. And also creating alignment and agreement on what the path needs to be. Sometimes I say we're sort of like political cover to try to, we handle the board, you know. (laughs) Yes. And how many times have one of our staff clients or the CEO or executive director said, I know we're in agreement on this, but if they hear it from you, it will land differently. And sometimes that is very true. Very, very true. I call it, we provide political cover. Political cover. I think that's Respect perfect. Tough decisions and tough conversations. Yeah. Blame the, blame the consultants. They made us do this. <laughs> yes. And here's what I say. Like, I can be the bad guy, but you know what? Everyone forgives me when you raise lots more money. That's right. No problem. <laughs> no problem. All right. Last official question, Gail. That's How can our listeners join the fun? How can they be a part of the world's largest porch party on August 26th? Well, you can go to our website, um, gailperrygroup.com, and right there on the top banner is an invitation to sign up to join the world's largest sports party. And we have, gosh, almost 100 organizations around the world who signed up, and we'll be reaching out to them the week of the party to give them Zoom links. So it's going to be quite a time. Fantastic. And so much fun. Gail, at the end of each episode, I like to ask a few rapid-fire, insightful questions to give even more value to our listeners. Yeah. Are you ready? Sure. All right. First one. What's the best fundraising advice you've ever received? Well, I'll quote Jerry Panis, listen your way to the gift. Mm. Yes. Amen. out, shut up. (laughs) What book do you recommend to our audience and why? Well, you know, I have to recommend my own book. It's a goodie. Turn your board's passion into action. It's a deep dive into the psychology of board members and how you can make it easy for them to become ambassadors and to move forward boldly into roles where they feel comfortable. It's excellent. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. And Gail, I have to say you were talking about board psychology before board psychology was cool. Well, you know, I 
I think I could change the world faster if I could just reach the board members. I agree. That's another conversation we need to have. All right. We'll have you back and we'll do a deep dive into that. Woohoo! What, what are the three most important traits a successful fundraiser must possess? Oh, that's a fun one. The first one, I think, is creativity and a sense of enterprise, you know, in terms of being able to seize opportunities, and then a sense of abundance. Mm, yes. Got to feel like the pie is half, the, if the pie gets bigger, you've got to feel like there's money out there for your cause. I couldn't get up every day out of bed when I was a staff fundraiser, but I didn't think there was tons of funding available. And it was just going to be so much fun yeah. to figure out how to, how to reach it all. Yeah. Possibility thinking, positive. Yes, yes, yes. Positive yeah. thinking takes you far. Yes, it does. Yeah. What's your favorite fundraising application or tool? I'm more the old-fashioned Let's eyeball our donors and talk to them one-on-one. So my favorite fundraising application or tool may be one-on-one conversations with donors. Mm -hmm. I love that. Get to know your donors. Get to know your donors. They're lovely. Get to know your donors. Yeah, as people. Maybe a porch party is your favorite tool. Absolutely. What's your favorite? Oh, this is so going to get you in trouble because I know you speak at a lot of conferences. But which one is your favorite and why? You know, I'm on the board of the AFP Foundation for Philanthropy, and I've been an AFP leader for years, local chapter president. I like AFP Icon. It's my favorite because there's so many ideas. There's so many people from around the world. I think that that's my favorite place to really hear from the latest and the greatest and keep up with the trends and see all my old friends. Mm -hmm. Very good. Mm -hmm. Last question. Knowing what you know now about fundraising, what advice would you give your younger self just getting started in the profession? Trust your instincts. Hmm. Trust you, your instincts. You're, 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 you, you intuitively know what's going on, even if you don't have words for it. Yeah. So, you, you know, that also means you have confidence, that you can listen to yourself and your inner guidance, and that you have more tools inside yourself than you really give yourself credit for. So I think it's all about building that inner confidence. Love it. Trust yourself. Build that confidence. Yeah. Such good stuff, Gail. Thank you. So much fun to chat with you, Tammy. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, my pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you for joining us, Gail. If you want to learn more about Gail, her incredible work, or follow her on social media, throw your own porch party and be a part of the biggest porch party in the world, We've included links to all of that and Gail's handles in the show notes, as well as links to all the other resources that we've talked about today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast. Keep on transforming your fundraising so you can transform the world. The Intentional Fundraiser Podcast is a fundraising transformed original. It's hosted by me, Tammy Zonker, founder and president of Fundraising Transformed where we help equip and empower fundraisers, nonprofit leaders, and board members to transform their fundraising so they can transform the world. Visit fundraisingtransform.com slash podcast to subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my newsletter to get fundraising lessons, tools, and helpful resources delivered straight to your inbox each month. 
If you want my help with taking your fundraising to the next level, become a member of my Fundraising Transformers community as a growth member and join me live each month where I'll teach you the same strategies I use to lead, train, and coach thousands of nonprofits, social service organizations, healthcare foundations, private schools, colleges, and universities to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars including a single gift of $27.1 million. As a member, you can participate in my Ask Me Anything sessions every month and get answers to your burning questions. Chat with other growth members inside our private and safe online community about what you're working on, struggling with, and share lessons learned. And get instant access to my growing library of on-demand self-paced training classes. New content is added every single month. Learn more about becoming a member at fundraisingtransform.com slash growth. Talk soon.